Hello all, and welcome to another episode of Memos from an Eldritch God, the podcast where I talk about lore, history, or whatever strikes my fancy. Today I have a special treat for you all, because today I have a guest. Wolf, who are you? Hey, uh, my name is Brian Wolf, and I am a follower of Dark Unknown Gods, a devout follower of Hastur himself. The king in yellow, for those who don't know. So, you know, uh, now, now, Wolf, how do you feel uh, about black, lesbian, feminist, mother, poet, warriors? You only have known maybe one um, <laughs> in my entire lifetime. Uh, her name was Shaquan, and she worked at a Domino's where I worked in uh, North Carolina. Excellent. excellent. Well, today, yeah. I'm going to try giving you a rapid-fire rundown of one of the most influential black lesbian feminist mother poet warriors of modern history. And, you know, maybe add a second one to your encounter list. Oh Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. uh, Right. I'm interested. And and, uh, her name is Audrey Lord. Um, Hmm. So, and, and in addition to giving kind of a rundown of Audrey Lord, who she is, what she talks about, part of my intent here is to bring across kind of the universality of her theories and experience, despite the unique circumstances of her life. Oh, I'm, okay. a, I'm a big uh, proponent of finding the, the universal uh, experience that is in the unique experience, you know? Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. I, I think I follow. I think I follow. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to start off with, uh, you know, life and history. Start things off. Uh, born February 18th. 1934 to Caribbean immigrants in New York City, Audrey Mm. Lord was raised in Harlem by her distant parents. According to the scholarly journal Wikipedia, she struggled (laughs) with communication and self-described herself as, quote, thinking in poetry and would memorize poems and respond with them when she didn't know what exactly she wanted to say. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Like I, I only wish I could think in poetry. Like. <laughs> exactly. I've never been any good at memorizing anything, let alone poems. You know, I, I guess the only time that I've really thought in poetry is maybe whenever I'm drunk. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it all just kind of like goes together. Well, yeah, you know, like, you, it's like your grimy. inhibitions are gone, and you're just, you know, you're thinking in the flow. Yes. Uh, yes. Exactly. <laughs> but no, she 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 did much more impressive stuff than that. She would memorize entire poems and just repeat them back when she didn't know what to say. And you know, she would just uh, use use the poems she had memorized to kind of express how she was feeling or what she was doing. And oh, that's man. pretty fucking awesome. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. That's 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 pretty nuts. Like that's wow. I know. That's... She had her first poems. Uh, published in high school, and soon after she went to college uh, in 1954. Mm. Graduated mm. from high college in 1959 with her bachelor's, mm. and okay. earned her master's from Columbia University in 1961. Oh my college! Gosh. Yeah. So she was a she was a black woman in the 50s, going to college, and then graduating. And getting her master's and whatnot? Oh, absolutely. And it's it's even more than that, Wolf. 
she was a uh, vocal uh, lesbian at the time uh, and, and for the rest of her life. The triple threat, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And she continued to embrace that, uh, that for the rest of her life. Uh, college proved to be a uh, affirming period for her queer and poetic aspects. Um, mm. And upon returning home, she worked to support the black and queer communities in New York State. And by oh, 1968, wow. she was working in academia and a well-spoken advocate of civil rights. Now, she continued mm. in the same fashion for several years, but her most influential okay. years were perhaps when she worked uh, at, at the Free University of West Berlin in 1985. Holy jeez, what? Yeah. Yeah, she she worked in Berlin, not quite up to the fall of the wall. Uh, she was struggling with cancer at the time. Um, mm, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. But yeah, I mean that's like heart of the Cold War right there. Yeah, she was actually pretty uh, clutch in setting up the Black women's uh, rights movement in Germany at the time. Wow. What yeah. Crap. Yeah. So she Do wasn't you... even so. So basically she was, uh, you know, she got to a point in her life where she's like, ah, you know what? looks like, uh, looks like America is, you know, going to get its, uh, poop in a group and, uh, we're going to, you know, kind of dust your hands off and be like, all right, where else can I go and, uh, you know, help the civil rights movement and, uh, oh, Germany. Yeah. You know, little thing, you know, a few decades ago that, uh, yeah, maybe I need to go help them out. Yeah, yeah. So now, Wolf, before we before we go any further, now that we've kind of established a baseline for her, what she did, who she was, are you a big concept, uh, a big fan of the concept of collective solidarity? Collective solidarity. Oh, man. Um, is that where we join hands and sing Kumbaya? Well, kind of, except, you know, we get a little more done than just Kumbaya. It turns out, uh, that collective support was a critical support, uh, critical part of Audre Lorde's theory, and she helped make the shift from uh, for feminism to embrace this. Before this point, we had second wave feminism and pressing for women's rights and women's rights alone. Um, third wave feminism, Audre Lorde kind of being one of the four forefront members of this, wanted to push for more collective activism. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. So, and, so like, how do you, how do you get more, how do you get more activism in a, in a third wave like that? Well, well I'm about to uh, get to that actually. Uh, so oh. remember, remember <laughs> at the start, remember at the start, I mentioned uh, that she identified herself as uh, a black lesbian feminist mother poet warrior. Mm, but I, okay. but what I didn't mention, well, I kind of mentioned it, was how this plays into her theories. See, she knew it was a controversial way to introduce herself. You know, you, mm. you start with black lesbian feminist, and you're going to have cool. a lot of people up in arms. I mean, everyone in those categories, the, there, there were of the people in those categories, many of them were opposed to other parts of those categories. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and she uh, knew that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, but 
she uh but she was each of these in turn each of these mm. parts of herself despite their opposite potential opposition to each other and all mm. of them she used to support herself and others see it wasn't just the external racism and bigotry that she fought although most of her work does focus on uh, honest and queer uh, rights and mm. black rights. Uh, she, she did expand that. And here's where some of my personal, you know, argumentative bits come in is I think that her theories on identity are very applicable and should be applied to other forms of uh, life than, than just those aspects of, you know, race, sexual orientation, and uh, and womanhood, you know, everyone can benefit from embracing their differences for good. And, okay. you know, that that's, uh, it's not necessarily something that uh, she would be opposed to, but I think it's a bit of a hot take, uh, given the time that she was in this is the applicable part of her theory. So, but enough of that digression. Right. Right. So let me, let me, let me just get this right. Um, so she, she wanted to basically end discrimination and, uh, wanted to promote activism. Um, specifically around the three areas of her being black, a woman and a lesbian. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So to quote a, uh, to quote an article titled Audrey Lord surprise, uh, by Margaret Kissam Morris, uh, for the frontiers magazine quote, she, uh, she expresses her grief at what she considers one of the worst consequences of racism, black women's estrangement from each other. So mm. now this comes from a part of her own experience with her mother that, uh, from her mother who resented Audrey's own slightly darker skin than her own. And as a result, they were distant from each other at the best of times. Uh, uh this, okay. this point further elaborated on in that same article, uh, when Margaret quotes from Audrey's, uh, sexism and American disease and blackface, quote, the boot on both of our necks. So the, the boot is on both of our necks. So, and kind of to that point, yeah, powerful shit, right? Um, Yeah. Wow. The, so in that particular quote, she's talking about, uh, black men's reaction to black feminism, um, Mm. and black women's rights movements because, and Audre Lorde really talked about this in oppressed groups. It's very easy for oppressed groups to recognize the oppression in others but not recognize that it's the same oppression that's affecting them or similar sources. Um, okay. And, and we'll typically, you know, but oftentimes we, we, we see in history with black communities and whatnot, uh, and not just them, but pretty much every oppressed class has issues with members of those oppressed classes beating down on other mem on other oppressed classes that they think they have some authority over. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, and and you're you're from uh, uh you're you're from mining communities. Uh you kind of understand 
that mentality in some oppressed <laughs> classes. <laughs> yes, yes. There were the uh, there were the bosses, and then there were the workers. Uh, <laughs> back where I come from, um, uh, old back West Virginia backwoods. Yeah, exactly. So uh, her theory starts with queer and black feminism, but led her to recognition uh, to recognize uh, you know that everyone who is oppressed kind of suffers these uh, what would later come to be termed uh, intersectional uh, states of oppression. Uh, she she herself has has one uh, pretty pretty solid quote from a uh, one of her most uh, arguably her most famous speech that she ever gave to a New York University Institute of Humanities conference in 1984. Quote, Difference must not merely be tolerated, but seen as a fund of necessary polarities between which our creativity can spark like a dialectic. Only Ooh. then does the necessity for interdependency become unthreatening. Only within that interdependency of different strengths, acknowledged and equal, can the power to seek new ways of being in the world generate, as well as the courage and sustenance to act where there are no charters? End quote. Wow. Holy yeah. crap, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, the, the final and kind of kicker quote uh, to the namesake of this speech of hers, uh, mm. and it's a short speech. You should absolutely look it up. I'll, I'll include it in uh, the show notes. Um, oh, sweet! Yeah, but the uh, but the the namesake quote is quote Know that survival is not an academic skill; it is learning how to take our differences and make them strength. For the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. You ever oh. heard that phrase? Yes. Oh, yeah. I like it. She I like is the it. That yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so that's uh uh oh my gosh. That is awesome. Well, you yeah. know, it's like oh wow. Well, and you know that it's it's that whole idea of, you know, the the tools of the oppressor will never lead to there not being oppression. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so she's kind of seeking that, you know, complete overturn of the systems that exist. She doesn't want to take, like second wave feminism wanted, at least some of them, uh, to take the patriarchy and replace it with a matriarchy. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. Audre Lorde doesn't want that. Audre Lorde wants there to be no patriarchy or matriarchy. She just wants people to uh, exist in a different system. Entire. Oh my gosh. I, I smell anarchy. <laughs> oh, what? What? You, you know me too well, Wolf. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to, I wanted to bring to you a quote from her compilation book. It was the book itself was a collection of poems that she wrote uh, called the black unicorn. You'll, you'll kind of notice if you, if you listen close in here, that she really likes to pull on these uh, strong West African roots that she had felt were severed uh, during the time of slavery. And, you know, they were. Uh, and she's, you know, going kind of to that warrior idea. 
being being a poet warrior okay she she wants to reach back to those roots and rebuild connections so this is ironically uh at least for this podcast called a woman speaks moon marked and touched by sun my magic is unwritten but when the sea turns black it will leave my shape behind i seek no favor untouched by blood unrelenting as the curse of love permanent as my errors or my pride i do not mix love with pity nor hate with scorn and if you would know me look into the entrails of uranus when the restless oceans pound i do not dwell within my birth nor my divinities who am ageless and half grown and still seeking my sisters witches in dahomey wear me inside their coiled cloths as our mothers did morning i have been woman for a long time beware my smile i am treacherous with old magic and noon's new fury with all your wide futures promised i am woman and not white so there it is oh my gosh yeah powerful fucking shit right i i gotta tell you the entrails in uranus like i i was I, i was just like whoa holy geez well yeah dude well it like basically like uh i even the visual like it's very visceral and and the way that she she wraps it up from there uh i mean you know literally saying at one point like wrapping me in the uh, uh what was it silks or cloth of my my sisters and my mother's um yeah something like that that's the first it's the first time i've heard that but i'm just like oh my gosh like i i got this this like intimate feeling of like of a closeness and a and a warmth and the fact that she's like willing to get out there and like throw down awesome stuffs you know i i just i just that's why i felt that that's why i brought this to you man because i i felt this was uh she was some really powerful shit and that you know you'd really enjoy it um oh you like that's that's amazing yeah uh but we are we are rapidly out of time and overtime probably uh so to wrap things up we unfortunately have to end on a bittersweet note she didn't live to be very old uh, having been diagnosed with breast cancer in 1978. Oh, she lived geez. a full life of activism, poetry, and love, but not a long one. Audrey Lord died at the age of 58 in 1992, and in an Ooh. African naming ceremony before her death, she took the name Gamba Adisa, which means warrior, she who makes her meaning known. Which I think oh, is my gosh. name. Wow. Yeah. Because as a as a poet, you can't ask for a better a better tribal name than that. Absolutely. Well, especially again, the way that she always identified herself as a black lesbian feminist, using mm-hmm. her points of contentious identity to both make herself known and to quash the power that those negative reactions potentially had. Wow. Dude, wow. That, that's, man, that's a story that, like, 
inspires me to like, you know, why aren't I doing more? You know, oh, like, I know, right? <laughs> <sighs> well, I think that's going to uh, be our episode for today.